Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Joshua Jackson. As regular listeners will know, this podcast is all about speaking to the people who get up each day and make this country work, and putting their teams, service users, clients at the forefront of all they do and showcasing ingenuity and leadership. And today I'm joined by Polly Neitz, CEO of Shelter. Uh, It's going to be a really interesting conversation looking at a lot of the challenges over the last 18 months, some of the politics around homelessness and and renters and um, what the government's plans are are looking forward. But um, Polly, welcome onto the show. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. No, it's really great to have you here. Such an important organisation across the UK with such a, a good history, really. And, um, you know, if you wouldn't mind just giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself and, and what Shelter's up to at the moment, that would be a great start. Yeah, great. So I'm the Chief Executive of Shelter and we are uh, a charity which defends our purpose is to defend the right to a safe home. And we do that with individuals. So we work, uh, we support people whose right to a safe home is under threat in lots of different ways. So they may be actually homeless, facing homelessness, or facing a range of kind of crises in their lives around uh, the fact that uh, we're actually in a bit of a national emergency when it comes to housing at the moment. Um, And then we also work in communities. So we try to address some of the systemic issues at local level that uh, are making people uh, get in the situation where they need our help. And then we also work nationally with our campaign, uh, again, trying to challenge those systemic issues that mean that people's right to a safe home is under threat. Absolutely. It's really important, um, you know, looking at these from the two different sides as well, both the, the sort of overarching viewpoint of what government policy is doing, but then also the impact on the individual and looking at it at that lovely mm. micro community level, because it's different across all areas of the UK and, and you know, different sort of regions as well. Um, but, you know, it's been a really challenging time for pretty much everybody over the last sort of 18 months. COVID has exacerbated um, what, as you say, is a bit of a national emergency. Um, You know, how's sort of everything been? How has the reaction to COVID happened across shelter? And, um, you know, what the government's been doing to sort of make sure that people aren't losing their homes? Has it been sort of part of the course or Um, or anything good? It's been uh, a very, very difficult uh, 18 months, I would say. Um, and to be honest, we're not coming out of it. So actually, uh, we've raced for things to get worse at shelter. Uh, and the reason for that is that the uh, protections that the government put in place during the pandemic, which were very welcome, by the way, um, but those are now melting away. And what we're seeing then is the, is the fallout from... Uh, the pandemic, which has kind of been delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did see people very, it, it, a lot of people in a much worse situation during the pandemic, um, particularly people in, for example, temporary accommodation, mm-hmm. where you're in a sort of horrible B&B, you've got uh, maybe, you know, quite often a single mum with two or three children, uh, on a corridor, like there's lots of rooms all along the corridor. They're in one room and then they've got a communal kitchen at one end, communal bathroom at the other end. I mean, that's an absolute nightmare when it comes to 
self-isolating mm. um, or social distancing or homeschooling. Can you even imagine? Mm. So we've been, we have seen a lot of people's situation get much worse during the pandemic. But we've also seen, as I said, some emergency measures put in place by the government, which did kind of fend off some of the worst impacts. Uh, and those impacts are hitting people now, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, it's on top of, as I said, an existing housing crisis. Um, and frankly, um, what, what has happened during the pandemic is the government has kind of bought itself some time to deal with the underlying issues mm. of the housing emergency, but then hasn't dealt with those issues. Um, and that's why we're worried about things getting even worse. Yeah, it's very much a, a sort of kick the can down the road sort of style of things, isn't it? But there's been so much going on, um, you know, so much to be dealing with that, uh, you know, in many respects, how can you, how can a government change everything overnight? But um, you're right, you know, as we look to, you know, the next few months, obviously the winter's coming up, gas prices are going through the roof, energy suppliers are, are collapsing at, um, you know, sort of rates of knots yeah. really. And, uh, you know, it does look like it's going to be you know, a really tough time for many people. Um, and, you know, do you have sort of plans in place that are, are going to be able to support people during this time or is it just about trying to get them into the mindset that it's not as bad as it, as it potentially could be? Um, well, so we are working on uh, supporting people as best we can and that's what we will do. So we've um, increased, we've quite significantly increased the capacity of our emergency helpline, for example, mm. um, which is a kind of first port of call for people if they're facing eviction or homelessness. Um, and that provides um, instant kind of help, advice, uh, and you know advocacy. So we can often manage to kind of forestall the worst. Mm. Uh, what I would say to people is get in touch before the absolute worst happens, <laughs> um, because the longer we have before eviction date, for example, the more likely it is that we can help. Um, and we're providing support at local level for people. So, yes, of course, we are mobilizing and we're putting as much resource as possible into doing that. Um, you know, the other really important thing, though, is trying to get the government to uh, put in place some measures that actually will prevent homelessness. Because what is going to happen is uh, we are going to see an increase in homelessness unless the government does something about it and you know it is true to say in one sense you know you were just saying you know well it's all been so awful what can the government do well actually uh, the government did a lot during the pandemic and showed uh, what can happen when there's kind of a, a an emergency um, really strong um, decisive action is required mm. the government did that so there was the evictions ban there was furlough which was absolutely transformational in terms of um you know uh lessening the impact of the pandemic on people yeah. uh, there were changes to social security unfortunately all that has melted away and what we've got now um is a government that is still not committing to delivering homes that people on low incomes can actually afford to rent. Mm. So the underlying unaffordability crisis is what the government is not dealing with. Um, and that 
you know, there is stuff the government could be doing about that. And that's what needs to be happening. And just before we go on to um, that underlying crisis and potentially some of the solutions there, if you're looking to help people, what is it that, um, you know, any listeners can be doing, any businesses that, um, you know, can offer support? How can people get involved with the campaigns that you're running and, um, you know, offer their time or, 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 or money? What is it that you're, you're really looking for? Mm. Well, um, there's lots of opportunities on our website to get involved. So we have uh, a lot of campaign activities running at the moment. Um, If you uh, go onto our website, it's quite easy to find out how to support us. Um, If you want to help our frontline services, which are really uh, desperately needed at the moment, then um, frankly, (laughs) the most valuable thing you can do is donate. Um, Definitely. We've also got a whole range of fundraising challenges that people can take part in. Um, you know, challenge activities, um, various kinds of fundraising events that people can be part of. So what I would say is uh, campaign and donate. Those are the two ways that we really need people to help. We also do need volunteers. And in particular, um, we're very dependent on our shops, uh, our charity shops. And, you know, they've been had to close uh, for a significant part of the pandemic mm. and our shops are completely dependent on volunteers. So if you live near a shelter shop, it'd be great if you could volunteer. If you can't volunteer, um, the other thing to do is donate mm. to our shops. We're really, we really need good quality donations and you can do it in the post. So again, if you look in our website or Google shelter pack and post mm. um, donations, you can donate uh, to our shops and that's another really good way of helping us. There are loads of ways you can help shelter, uh, definitely. And for anyone listening in, we will put the campaigns, the donations page and uh, a map of hopefully, um, you know, shelter. Uh, shops near you into the um, description of this podcast so if anybody wants to go away and have a look at that uh, please do but um, you know you're right looking at uh, you know future sort of you know plans to help ease homelessness you know there's been such a knock-on effect of what was already an issue in house building Um, you know was it 100,000 fewer homes have been built over the last year Um, house prices have gone through the roof Um, and do you see that there's a, a way out for people or, or you know people to be able to get onto the property ladder first time buyers and you know stop this sort of increase in in you know the uh, quite a tough renters market really mm. well i mean if you think about um the private rented private rented sector at the moment that the private renting is home to 11 million people at the moment and it isn't the people that are traditionally seen as renters Mm. so i think a lot of people when they think about the private rented sector they think about you know relatively younger younger adults who are renting until they can save up uh, and get themselves on the property ladder by buying their own home Mm. the reality is that the private rented sector now the vast majority of people in the private rented sector have no savings at all Mm. um they're more, you know, these are not people on the brink of home ownership. These are people on the brink of homelessness. Mm. And the reason for that is that the level of rent in the private sector is simply unaffordable mm. for people on low incomes. And, uh, but because of the dire shortage of properly affordable housing, 
there isn't any other option for those people. Uh, and these are the people that we're really worried are going to be at risk of eviction. So what is desperately needed at the moment actually isn't more uh, home ownership products that uh, actually aren't helping people into home ownership who, who wouldn't be there anyway. Uh, it's making it easier for people who probably uh, quite soon would be able to buy their own homes anyway. Mm. It's making it easier for them, but it isn't solving the problem uh, of people in the private rented sector who are on the brink of homelessness. And we, the government must look again at its definition of affordable. And, you know, there's a lot of building underway at the moment, mm. but there is nowhere near enough properly affordable homes. If you look at social housing, so you've got 1.1 million people on the waiting list for social housing. And last year, six and a half thousand new social homes were built. Mm. That's six and a half thousand against the waiting list of 1.1 million. It's absolutely ludicrous, Mm. to be honest with you. And that's the issue that the government has got to tackle. And there was a YouGov report or YouGov survey that came out um, uh, just last week or a couple of weeks ago, I believe, that said that was going to double to 2.1 million people waiting for, or so um, households waiting for social housing as well in the next year. Um, you know, that's yeah. an incredible rate of, um, you know, of people waiting well, and, and, and wanting while, to get yeah. into it. And while those people are waiting, of course, you know, a significant number of them are in temporary accommodation, mm. um, which is completely unsuitable well it's actually unsuitable for anyone but it's definitely unsuitable for families with children and the impact of that on those people's lives on their health on their mental health and temporary accommodation so-called i mean it isn't temporary people are in temporary accommodation for years on end Mm. um because of the uh total lack of social homes Mm. so the government has got to invest you know we're spending about 30 billion a year on uh, housing-related benefits Mm. to keep people in unaffordable homes in the private rented sector. Mm. That is absolutely dwarfing the size of, you know, the uh, affordable housing program is 12 billion over five years. Mm. And it doesn't contain, at the moment, it contains almost no social housing. Mm. So, you know, uh, the way we're uh, failing to invest in social homes is costing us an absolute fortune in welfare, um, which shocks me actually for a conservative government because, you know, welfare is no investment at all. Uh, homes are a great investment. People mm. are actually going to pay rent for them for a kickoff. Um, and, you know, it, it makes absolutely no sense financially at all. It's a potential over-reliance on the private sector to plug a gap that, um, you know, they're not interested in in potentially filling. But, um, you know, there's an interesting uh, stat last week as well that just based uh, for London and, and Greater London, that now it's reached 45% of an average income just to be able to cover your own rents. Um, and that is, again, shocking for, you know, across the board, um, the price of It's totally of unaffordable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, there was... A couple of years ago, there was talk of the renters' reform bill. Um, you know that's been pushed back and pushed back and and pushed back. Um, you know, do you have any confidence that this bill is ever going to see the light of day? That there's going to be the white paper that's been promised and is now promised again for, I believe, next year in May. But um, you know, little to be to be coming out so far. 
No, I do. I do, actually, to be honest with you. I mean, we had a really good meeting at Conservative Party conference where the minister responsible, Eddie Hughes, mm. spoke. And he was pretty clear uh, about the urgency of reforming private renting. Um, obviously, we at Shelter are um, lobbying hard. Our focus is on making sure that the bill really does deliver a fair assistance for private renters. Um, and in particular, we need to um, stop uh, so-called no-fault evictions or mm. Section 21 evictions because at the moment, renters can be evicted for absolutely no reason at all. Um, that's, uh, you know, pretty unique to England and uh, obviously uh, it's a, a huge problem. Mm. So um, we want to make sure that the Renters Reform Bill, you know, contains what it needs to contain. But, um, yeah, I do. I do have confidence. I think it's great, actually, that the government is committed to this legislation. I should point out, it's not a replacement for actually delivering properly affordable social homes, right? It is not a replacement for doing that. Yeah. Um, but it is really valuable. And, and I do have confidence that they're going to do it, yeah. Brilliant. That's good to hear, to be perfectly honest, that, um, you know, there is a, a bit of positivity in, you know, as you say, a sector that gets a, a lot of negative negativity around it and a lot of stress for a lot of people as well, you know, given that housing is just, it allows everything else to be, um, you know, when it comes to, to, exactly. to family life, work, health, um, you know, mental health as well, which, you know, just can it's get the foundation of, spiral. Yeah, it's the foundation of everything. And yet we seem to be quite prepared as a society to accept um, that, you know, if you are working on a low income, you won't be able to afford a decent home. Mm. You know, that's the situation we're in. And we're, we seem to be, you know, I think I see our job at Shelter as to sort of to try to turn the tide of public opinion so that that is seen as an unacceptable situation because I think, you know, that's the way uh, to pressure the government into acting in the way that they need to. Uh, sorry, you said something quite interesting there that I, I just want to focus on for a second. Um, you say turn the tide of, of public opinion. Is um, public opinion not in the sort of shape of, of allowing housing to be affordable, to have reform in this sector? Is that something that um, you know there is a, a bit of pushback to? It's not so much pushback. I think it's more just it's not on the radar of most people. So when we do a public opinion survey, if you directly ask people if they believe that we need more social housing, yeah, the vast majority of people say yes. So that is good. Um, but they're not um, actively pushing for it. And what we need is people to be actively scrutinizing, you know, this new development that's down the road is this actually going to provide affordable housing for local people yeah. or not? And if it's not, we need people to uh, be concerned about that. Because so it's, it's more that I think people have a kind of passive acceptance, if you like, mm. that social housing is needed. Um, but it isn't, it isn't passionate or active in the way that people's concern, for example, for the NHS or mm. schools would be. But actually, a safe home is, as you just said, quite rightly, it is the foundation for everything. Um, and without a safe home, you know, building a good life 
for yourself and your family is nigh on impossible. Yeah, I, I will completely agree with that. Um, you know, that is a statement that I think a lot of people need to to, to consider and to think that you know it is the, it is the bedrock again. But um, you know, if we're sort of looking ahead, you know, obviously the last we go back and we look at the last eighteen months, it's been difficult for so many people keeping on, but there have been those lifelines. Currently, those lifelines, as you mentioned, are being withdrawn. That um, the support is being not I don't want to say completely taken away but trying to get people to stand on their own two feet and have the reopening of the economy how do you see the next 12 months do you see it um, you know very wobbly foundations and there could potentially be a cascade and to be a much worse process or do you actually think that the next few months might be tough but after that things can get back up as long as uh, you know there's that governmental push for, for reform across so many different sectors or, or funding mm. Um, well, I think over the next few months, we're definitely going to see people's uh, finances under significant strain. That's going to mean that more people can't afford to pay their rent. And that, in turn, is going to lead to more evictions. And of those people who get evicted, a significant number will become homeless. Um, also, you know, if people really cannot afford rent in the private sector, um, then what they end up, uh, what how they end up is joining the social housing waiting list. They don't end up getting a social home uh, because there aren't any really. Um, so I think you know, as we've just already mentioned, we will see the waiting list for social housing increase. We will see homelessness increase. We will see the amount of families in totally unsuitable temporary accommodation increase, unless the government does something about building the homes that are actually needed in this country uh, and that is going to require some investment um, and it also requires in the short term you know there are there's a huge amount of uh, planning permissions already granted mm. that have not yet been built out those need to be scrutinized and we need to look at what the homes are that are actually planned on those sites and are they what the country needs at this time of crisis and Polly, just before we, we sort of finish up, um, you know, having been such an expert in this area, what would be the, I, I, let's say the simple change that you would make to the way things are run currently that would allow for you know, a little bit more security or freedom or ease for people to stay within their homes or to get homes and, you know, have that stability? Um, I think the biggest thing probably is to, bring the renters reform bill forward as urgently as possible um, so that people have more short-term security in private rented homes. Um, that isn't going to provide security though for people who simply can't afford to pay their rent anymore. Uh, and for those people, what the government has to do is redefine affordable housing so that it actually is affordable to the people who desperately need a home. Well, there's an awful lot of work to be done by the um, Department for Housing and, and levelling up now as it's um, uh, now termed. But um, Polly, I really want to thank you ever so much for, for taking the time to just explain some of these issues, talk about some of the future plans and um, you know let everybody know how they can support Shelter, um, you know, both in person and, and financially. Um, thank you ever so much for taking the time. You're welcome. Brilliant. Polly, goodbye. That was Polly Neat, CEO of Shelter, a really 
fantastic conversation uh, with some really important points, looking at some of the challenges that people have been facing to hold on to their own homes um, and talking about some of the access that people can have uh, to make sure that they retain them as the issues of the COVID pandemic and the economic recovery take shape over the next six months. Um, for listeners, thank you ever so much for tuning in and um, I hope you enjoyed the show. Mm.